0: When Mayor Pete Buttigieg needs to speak to his black constituents in South Bend, Indiana, he has this place that he shows up.
1: He goes to this little sort of scrappy radio studio.
0: It's called WUBS. It's in his hometown. It plays gospel music. Politico's Adam Wren was listening when Buttigieg showed up there last week.
1: It's run by uh, kind of a local black pastor who has some
0: influence in the community. Mayor Pete joined that local black pastor, Reverend Williams, because he wanted to talk about the shooting of Eric Logan, a 54-year-old black man who was killed by South Bend police on Father's Day. We have with us Mayor Pete Buttigieg here today. He's running two campaigns one is for the presidency of the United States of America, and the other is damage control. Welcome, Mayor. Glad to have you today. And when uh,
1: Mayor Pete arrives in the studio last week to do this interview, the Reverend sort of reads this two to three-minute statement about how Black Americans have sort of endured police violence um, for you know months and months and, and years. And really holds uh, Pete Buttigieg's feet to the fire on this issue.
0: The question I'd like to ask you today for our listeners is why are you here? Well, I'm here because this is my home. And if all you know about Pete Buttigieg to... is that he has a funny name and he's running for president, the strong reactions he's getting in his hometown after this police shooting might surprise you. Last week, Buttigieg temporarily stopped his campaign. And headed home to try to grapple with what led to Eric Logan's death. When he began talking to his constituents, it became clear many of them blamed Mayor Pete himself. Don't just talk it. Be about it. Don't talk it. Be about it. Show us. Give us proof that you can really do something about it. I'll work on that. Do you believe that black lives matter? Did yeah, you just ask me if black lives matter? Yes. of course, black lives matter. Fire your car Adam says, if you're an undecided voter, it's worth paying attention to how this fight over policing plays out.
1: The key argument of his presidential campaign is that Washington, D.C. should operate more like our nation's best-run cities and towns. And when you look at his purview as mayor of South Bend, one of his key responsibilities is over the South Bend Police Department. So if he is going to be president, his uh, responsibility over the South Bend Police Department is really worth kind of poking at um, and, and investigating and looking at because it really shows us what kind of leader he, he's going to be.
0: Today on the show, Mayor Pete deals with a crisis at home. He's been trying to connect with Black voters on the campaign trail. But first, he's got to connect with the Black voters back in South Bend. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stay with us. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I want to start this conversation not by talking about Pete Buttigieg, but by talking about Eric Logan, the victim here. He was a father. He went by the nickname Five-Nine. And there is a lot we don't know about how he was killed. The police say Eric had a knife. His family says that can't be right. A few days before Mayor Pete sat for his interview with Reverend Williams, Eric Logan's brother and family friends appeared with Reverend Williams, too. It was billed as a press conference. This is not about Peter Buttigieg and his bid to be president. Nope. So I just want you to know that what you hear today may not make the news real, but it's not about Peter Buttigieg. It's about Eric Logan Mm -hmm. and family. Amen. In this nearly two-hour broadcast, the community dissects every detail of Eric Logan's death. They talk about why an ambulance was never dispatched to bring him to the hospital. They talk about why the family couldn't photograph Logan's body. And you can hear how frustrated Eric Logan's brother Tyrese is with the cops and with City Hall. The trust is just gone. To say they're sorry? Sorry for what? To our face. I, told I asked Politico's Adam Wren to try to get me closer to the truth here, as hard as it might be. We started out by talking about the officers involved in this shooting. Ryan O'Neill, who fired the fatal shots, and Aaron Nepper, who drove Eric Logan to the hospital.
1: The problem here is that Ryan O'Neill's body camera wasn't activated, nor was his dash camera activated. So we really have no visibility into what happened.
0: And this is important because the police originally said, oh, there will be video footage. We'll be able to look at that. And it's interesting because the family members said when they heard that, they just thought, oh, we know that's never going to show up. And they were right. Because I told them tomorrow morning when we wake up, the video cam is not going to work. And yes, she did. And guess what? It didn't work. Right.
1: <laughs> you know, this um, reflects poorly on the city because one of the reforms that Pete Buttigieg started to usher in during his uh, second term as mayor was the institution of body cameras to sort of build that trust between the black community and the white community. Um, And that started at the end of 2017 and was actually passed in 2018. The Common Council, which is sort of like the city council, uh, spent $1.5 million on instituting body cameras. And uh, just for the kind of instance like this, and the body camera wasn't operable.
0: But there's something else, which is that these officers, Ryan O'Neill, who fired the shots, and Aaron Nepper, who showed up on the scene, both of them have these alarming histories. I wonder if you could start by telling me a little bit about Ryan O'Neill and his background.
1: Yeah, one of the things that was fascinating to me as I reported uh, in South Bend was that all of the Black community and the Hispanic community that I talked to seemed to already be familiar with these officers. There's a case of Derek Burton who was um, arrested in in 2008. And um, O'Neill called him, you know, the N-word during this altercation and tased him unconscious. And there are lawsuits on record uh, against O'Neill uh, alleging that there was another case of, of Michael Alexander who was um, arrested by O'Neill and O'Neill is charged with leveling multiple blows to his head and to his back and then after uh, O'Neill sort of used a stun gun on him this man Michael a- Alexander alleges that O'Neill was laughing about how he was flopping like a fish now both of these cases against O'Neill were were dismissed by a judge in South Bend, you know, but people are familiar with him.
0: And all of that would be upsetting enough, except that Aaron Nepper, who drove Eric Logan to the hospital, he also has a really troubling past.
1: That's right. Um, there are a number of different cases that he was involved in as well. Um, one of the incidences is that Nepper was involved in a uh, in a 2016 incident where a 17 year old boy had his home broken into by the police in a case of mistaken identity. His name was Deshaun Franklin, and they in the middle of the night, uh, Nepper was among officers who punched this boy six times and then stunned him with the tasers. They had mistaken him for somebody else. Um, and this case goes to trial. And a jury finds that uh, that Deshaun Franklin's constitutional rights were violated and a jury awards his family $18.
0: It's shocking to me, just completely shocking that either of these men are in any position of responsibility for the city of South Bend.
1: Yeah. And in 2016, there's actually a moment at a board of public safety meeting where similar protests break out from some of the same activists that we've seen on these video images from South Bend that have gone viral uh, just within the last week. Some of the same activists went to this meeting and they started a fire Nepper campaign. They wanted this officer off the force. And at the time, Judge is at this meeting. He has the same police chief that he has now. And he kind of tells press protesters, I don't think this can be resolved by targeting any specific officer. It can only be resolved by making sure we have a higher level of trust in the community.
0: I'm curious, you as a reporter, you've been covering South Bend for a long time. Would you call the police force racist?
1: I think the police force is 240 people large, and so it's difficult to paint with a broad brush among that many officers. At the same time, you look at these very specific lawsuits, um, not only from people who have been targeted as criminals by the police force, but fellow officers on the force who say they have struggled to be promoted within the police department Um, and and it's hard not to to draw a conclusion like that. Um, I asked very specifically the mayor last Wednesday after he spoke to new cadets, I asked him whether or not he had a racist police force um, in South Bend and the answer that he gave me wasn't yes or no. He just said that there was no place for racism in the police to force. So this is a question that, that you asked me that he hasn't answered yet himself. And so it's difficult to make that conclusion one way or the other, but when you look at officers like Aaron Nepper, and you look at officers like Ryan O'Neill, and you look at how they are perceived by people of color of South Bend. You know, I am a white reporter and am speaking from a place of privilege. But when you ask black people there how they feel about these two officers, they would say that they are racist and that South Bend has a racist police force.
0: Some of these problems go back years, before Mayor Pete was in office. But Buttigieg didn't do himself any favors when he fired his first police chief, a Black man who felt under siege in South Bend.
1: By his telling, he gets uh, a tip from the FBI that his police chief, who is the first police chief, uh, black first Black police chief in the history of South Bend, who is well-liked uh, by both Black people and white people in the community, uh, has been secretly recording white officers in his force who have allegedly been making these racial comments. And um, he's allegedly at the center of an FBI investigation for breaking the Federal Wiretap Act. And so Pete Buttigieg has really his first significant decision to make in office. Does he fire this popular police chief or does he allow this police chief to continue on and be investigated? In his memoir, Uh, Shortest Way Home, he writes about this incident, and he says that he's sitting at the end of a conference room table sort of mulling which decision is going to tear apart the community more. And so what he does is he calls the police chief on the phone instead of visiting him in person. This is what he would say would be one of the biggest mistakes of his time in office. And he essentially asks the police chief to resign. The police chief resigns. Uh, but then only a day later rescinds that resignation, um, on the advice of black people and black pastors respect in the community who like this police chief. And so now Buttigieg is faced with uh, a crisis. It really consumed the first year of his time in office and lost him a lot of trust, not only with black people in the community, but with his common counsel, his common counsel would sue his office. To try to get access to the contents of these uh, of these tapes, and this is a case that is still winding its way through federal court right now, even as he tries to run for the presidency, and likely still won't be resolved for months, if if even uh, by next year.
0: Mayor Pete is now on his third police chief. This police chief is white. In fact. The South Bend police force has hired fewer and fewer officers of color since Mayor Pete took office. But he's remained loyal to the force. Last week, one of the things Buttigieg did while he was off the campaign trail was speak in front of an incoming class of cops. And so the
1: first time that he emerges publicly to sort of address this crisis that is unfolding is not with the family um, of the victim, not with the black community but with his white police force. Um, How many of the new officers were black? Of the 6 new officers that he faced and addressed on Wednesday morning, all 6 were white.
0: It feels it feels looking at all of this that race is an issue that Pete Buttigieg has trouble taking seriously or at least acting on seriously.
1: If you listen to Pete Buttigieg and you read his comments in his address to these new police cadets, he actually has this preternatural ability to say all the right things. He said uh, a line that really sort of stuck with me uh, as I listened to him in that room with the new cadets. He said that all police work takes place in the long shadow of racism, which is this really sort of beautiful, thoughtful sentiment And it was a sentiment that just this week, the police union in South Bend attacked him for in a statement. They said that this is an unfair sentiment that Pete Buttigieg has expressed and that Pete Buttigieg has failed to unite the community of South Bend. So now not only is he being criticized by members of the black community here, but he's being criticized by his police union. And so he does have this ability to talk about race in a way that feels and sounds compelling. But he is struggling to, as you mentioned, to, to act on this in a way that, that puts concerns to rest and rebuilds trust with the community. Uh, he would say that he's taken very specific actions to solve this problem. He would tell you that he has instituted implicit bias training for his police Force, which he has done. He would say that he's instituted body cameras, which he has done.
0: Well, and you look at the changes that you say Pete Buttigieg would lay out. In this case, those body cameras were off. The implicit bias training, in this case, the bias seems far from implicit. It seems right out there.
1: That's right. And you know, one of the criticisms um, in this moment that we're seeing of Pete Buttigieg is that he's solving um, this very nuanced, delicate problem in the same way that a consultant might kind of recommend a raft of reforms and changes, which is particularly interesting when you look at Pete Buttigieg's biography, because in fact, he was a consultant. He was a consultant for the storied consultancy McKinsey uh, based in, in Chicago. And essentially spent a lot of his time before he became mayor of South Bend solving these very cold calculated problems. And so, you know, the criticism of his of him has been even from allies uh, that he has uh, approached this problem that is deeply emotional in a way that is cerebral, cold and removed from sort of the heat uh, that belies this very complicated issue.
0: And I have to say, from the outside, for a while now, it's felt to me like Pete Buttigieg has had trouble talking about race in a way that feels authentic. I still remember him going to Harlem with Al Sharpton and eating fried chicken. And it seemed like what (laughs) what an algorithm would tell you to do if you were campaigning for president.
1: Yeah. You know, I was driving around um, with a a, a black pastor in the South Bend community last week as he was sort of giving me um, kind of a tour of the city, and he mentioned exactly that. He said, you know, this is sort of like a cartoon version of what you would do to win over black voters, and he specifically mentioned the eating of the soul food, and he also mentioned an appearance that Pete Buttigieg did on a Showtime show recently where he basically drank alcohol out of a brown paper bag in a public park. and this brown this this black pastor was uh, was really uh, aggrieved by that and basically said, you know that's a parody of 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 what African American people would do, you know, to eat soul food uh, at Sylvia's and to to drink liquor out of a brown paper bag. I mean, he was deeply troubled by this imagery. He said, you know, most of the black people I know here, um, in South Bend are, are professionals. You know, um, y- yes, they love soul food, but they're much more complex uh, than that.
0: Hmm. You went to this memorial for Eric Logan and you spoke to one of the organizers, a guy named Eli Cantu. And he said he gave Buddha judge an E for effort, but is he making the necessary moves? I haven't seen them yet. After everything we've talked about, I tend to agree with him. I guess my question for you as someone who's followed Pete Buttigieg for years now, what is he going to do now after all the listening? Because he's been listening for a while. That's the thing is um, to hear
1: his telling of the story There's not a lot he can do right now. He would say he can't fire the police officers. He would say that there's no reason to fire his police chief at the moment, that his police chief has done a good job. And, you know, he really has sort of shown in his relationship with the South Bend Police Department over the last seven and a half years, a real deference to the police force, And that's what he seems to be doing now. He talks a lot about the importance of allowing the process to play out. Uh, Just this week, there is a suit against him by the family from a very prominent Chicago lawyer who took on Rahm Emanuel and a lawyer who has said that he wants to turn uh, Pete Buttigieg into Rahm Emanuel 2.0, which is to say that he wants to leave a significant bruise on Pete Buttigieg's record regarding police issues. Uh, the prosecuting attorney in St. Joseph County, which, uh, comprises South Bend has announced an independent investigation in this case. Pete Buttigieg has also said that he will write a letter to the Department of Justice to investigate his police department and to investigate this case, but it, he cannot promise that they will take up, uh, South Bend's case. And so really, he would say that there's not much else that can be done right now.
0: It's interesting because you mentioned before being at a public meeting with Pete Buttigieg and his response instead of talking about punishment or firing an officer was, you know, we need to restore trust in the community and with the community. But that seems to misunderstand how you get to trust, to me, which is trust demands accountability, consequences. And Pete Buttigieg does have some power when it comes to accountability and consequences.
1: He does. You know, he can fire a police chief. He can appoint different members of the Board of Public Safety. He can uh, ostensibly exert pressure on them to address cases of individual officers. Uh, And, you know, this is a real fascinating moment for Pete Buttigieg, because when you look at what's to come, he is only mayor now for another six months. His second term expires on December 31st uh, of this year. And building a trust with a community of people like that after years and years and some would argue decades of instances of the South Bend Police Department breaking trust with with African American people there. How much of that can be bridged in the period of six months? I don't think a lot.
0: Adam Wren, thank you so much for joining me.
1: It was a pleasure.
0: Adam Wren is a contributing editor at Politico and Indianapolis Monthly. And that's the show. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris, and produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Ethan Brooks. If you like us, tweet at us, secret fun fact, I answer questions on Twitter. I'm at Mary's desk. And if you are following along as the Democratic presidential debates get started this week and you are looking for some extracurricular listening material, I have a little suggestion for you. Head on over to The Gist, hosted by my friend Mike Pesca. Today he is talking to Joy Reid. Personally, I just know her as A.M. Joy. She's going to be talking about her new book, about Trump's rise and what might happen this election season. All right. Talk to you tomorrow.